new study this week through Nehemiah chapter 11. Um, we're almost at the end of this book. Uh, it's been fun to go through this. And um, if you've been following along, you notice that I've actually have to teach through multiple chapters that have just basically a list of names. And in the last few chapters, there's at least a few more. So oftentimes, whenever we get to these lists, whether it's genealogies or census type passages, is usually um, even our own private devotion, and we kind of just like skim through it. And, you know, in some sense, I understand why that is, because just a list of names and different people and numbers and stuff like that. Um, but it does have uh, benefits to our soul when we understand the context of the entire book. In Nehemiah chapter 11, this is, um, just, I guess, kind of summarizing the book so far. Nehemiah was um, started off working as a politician, and uh, he gets um, con- moved and convicted when his brother visited him. And he asked, well, how's the land going? Uh, how's the promised land? And uh, they said, and his, his brother responded by saying, it's not good. There's still you know, parts of the wall that's missing. And there's some parts that's still on fire, and it's still in shambles. And for months, this bothered Nehemiah, and he felt moved to go and uh, fix this wall. And um, as he's going, as he, he goes there, he, uh, amidst a whole bunch of opposition, he finishes this wall in 52 days. He recognizes God's hand and uh, blessing through all of these things. And really, this whole picture is a picture of God not just rebuilding the wall, but rebuilding the spiritual condition of Israel. I didn't really highlight this point throughout the entire book because I think <clears throat> I figured this is something that will help tie, help us remember this book, tie everything together. That this book, although it seems like it's just a giant building project, is actually the Lord is a symbol of the Lord rebuilding the people of God to a greater devotion to him. Uh, Ezra came in Nehemiah chapter 7 and, uh, sorry, Nehemiah chapter 8 and preached and taught uh, God's word to them. And then this moved them to practice um, the things like the temple, the the temple, the booths, um, the festival of booths and um, the feast of booths and and to um, have a commitment and devotion to the word of God. Of chapter 9, the people confess their sins and then they start looking through the history of Israel and how God was faithful in light of the fact that they are on, constantly uh, falling short of living up to God's standard. <clears throat> but yet God still preserved them. And last week in chapter 10, there was a, a group of individuals signed that said that they are going to be devoted to, uh, to, 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 to submit and follow God. And uh, they even said that if they failed to follow the Lord, that they would receive the cursing from the Lord. So this week, uh, we're going to look at, again, another list of people um, that are going to go uh, to show like a devotion to him, uh, to the Lord. Um, But they do it differently, whereas the first one was about just uh, a sin issue. This is more about going and, and then living out in the land. Now, again, I'm not going to read through this entire uh, chapter, but I'm just going to just highlight some verses and just talk about them. So let's start. Uh, Chapter 11, verse 1. Now the elders of the people lived in Jerusalem, but the rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of ten to live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while nine-tenths remained in the other city. And the people blessed all the men who volunteered to live in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was rebuilt, but it wasn't a prominent place. Uh, it basically wasn't occupied. It was kind of like a ghost town in some ways. Uh, they were able to rebuild the city. There was a temple and everything. Um, but there wasn't 
anything unique about it because there weren't any people there. Uh, in fact, there's, there are actually places like this even today. I found this place called Tomstown. It's near Singapore. And they built this entire city to look like a, like a European type place. It has like phone booths and, and it looks very European even though it's in China. And the idea initially was that when they built this town that people would go in and live there um, and just kind of enjoy like a Western life in light of inside a, um, you know, a, a Chinese, China, you know, pro, uh, territory. But for some reason, people didn't move there. So now it's just kind of like this empty place where people would go, tourists would go just to take pictures and, you know, film, uh, uh, certain films uh, would be filmed there. It just became this giant set. Uh, it doesn't serve any purpose other than uh, to entertain people, uh, even though their in initial intent was for people to occupy this place. And that's the same thing that was going on here. They built this city in, with hopes of actually filling it with people, but you know there weren't that many people living there, so it just seems like it's just a big place, but there's no one there. So uh, they decided to cast lots. Uh, One-tenth of the people uh, went, while nine-tenths stayed in all the other cities. Um, and the leaders were actually the first to go. So now the leaders of the people lived in Jerusalem. So this again gives an example that, uh, hey, if we want to be uh, known as people that are making sacrifices for the Lord, um, we should do it first. So they lead, they led by example and hope that others will follow as well. And then one-tenth of the people did. They were casting lots. They're like, I would imagine it could be because maybe some people didn't, didn't know if they should go. They had a, they had like a strong desire, but then they're unsure. They, they, they decide to kind of like flip a coin if they want. Um, it's like, Lord, if this is where you want me to go, then uh, let me go. And they cast lots and one-tenth of people decided to go. Um, and again, not everyone wanted to move, but then uh, at the same time, those that didn't move um, you know, they were not viewed as unfaithful here. Um, and that's something that we need to understand as well, that just because uh, there are certain missionaries that go to certain places in the world doesn't make them more godly than you who are faithful in your local community here in America. Verse 3, Now these are the hands of the prophets who lived in Jerusalem, but in the cities of Judah each lived on his own property in their cities, the Israelites, the priests, the Levites, the temple servants, and the descendants of Solomon's servant. Some of the sons of Judah and some of the sons of Benjamin lived in Jerusalem from the from the sons of Judah and then the list of names. Uh, verse 7. Now these are the sons of Benjamin, Salhu, and then uh, again the list of all these different names. And then from the priests, in verse 10, and then verse uh, 18. Uh, actually, well, for, uh, before I get to verse 18, these are all lists of different tribes that uh, show that these, I guess these are the one that makes up that one-tenth. is a pretty, it seems like it's a big, pretty big group, and it is. It's a mix of people of the different 12 tribes as well as the priests. Uh, verse 18, and all the Levites in the holy city were 284. And what's interesting about this verse here is that the holy city, it's very rarely referenced in the Old Testament. I think there's only like two or three other references in, in Daniel and um, I think some, one of the other prophets where they refer to Israel as a holy city. And that has... Um, at that time, a momentary type of thing, or that there's to be distinct from the world. But we understand, even toward the end times, uh, that there's something more than that. It's, it's that, like, yeah, God will reign in Jerusalem. Jesus Christ will return into the earth, and this is where he'll reign. But for now, uh, before the before even the first coming, um, they were still called to be distinct from the world. Uh, they were supposed to be there in the land, represent him faithfully, 
Um, and in the way that they do that, the Lord will bless them and they'll be made known to the rest of the world that the God that they worship is the one true God. Now we know um, now it's not, uh, in, you know, in New Testament time, they fail to live up to that. And even to today, the Jews fail to live up to believing and trusting and placing faith in Jesus Christ. So this holy city isn't that holy anymore. But at the time in Nehemiah, uh, it was holy. It was distinct because it was, they spent their whole life devoted to uh, Yahweh. Now from verse 18 to 36, there's a, a, a list of other individuals, but there's something unique about that is that um, these people, some of these individuals were still, although they had their own land, they had their own property uh, in the sense of they're like an ethnic Jewish place, um, they still had to submit to the, the Persian rule um, because that's just the way it is. Like they, uh, the, the, the Persians gave them uh, somewhat of a religious liberty, they could do whatever they want, but they still need to just pay their taxes. Uh, and they gave them this uh, religious liberty in hopes that they would just, you know, stay put. And but but that means they still have to submit and 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 follow their commands. Um, and that was just the way it is for them. They that even though they were under, even though they their their hearts was faithful to the Lord, the consequences of their past sin still lingers in the fact that they still have to. Um, submit uh, to worldly kings they uh, and that's you know the Lord knows that like even though they are even though they, they even though they're in this land um, their devotion is, is devoted is strictly to him and that's pleasing to him even though um, they were supposed to be independent from any king um, but you know they were faithful in that way and the Lord was able to preserve them and bless them so that's just the general outline of this book, so or not this book, this chapter. Um, tomorrow we're going to look at some lessons in terms of um, how are we supposed to view um, missions and evangelism and outreach. Because I think in this text we see that there are people that are going, there are some people that are supporting, and there are some people that are just uh, staying. And in, in whatever, uh, all of us should be doing at least two of the three, whether you were going, somewhere to do missions or evangelism or yeah missions we're supporting those through prayer and and um, financial means or we're staying and we're called to just be faithful with wherever the lord placed us so i look forward to the study with you and um yeah uh, the hope that this will give you a better understanding of how we're supposed to do fulfill the great commission uh, that some of us are going to be going some of us are going to be all of us should be supporting and some of us should be should stay where we are at now Thanks for listening. Take care.